So we are, we're up to module three, Emotionally Healthy Leaders. Hooray. Yep. Hip, hip, hooray. That's it. Yeah. It's like, where's Wally? That's it. <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, obviously the last uh, two modules have really just been about giving that big picture understanding of God's intention to bring his kingdom, to, to make disciples, to see his glorious, wonderful, life-giving kingdom expand across uh, the world and, uh, and, and really his kind of big picture strategies for doing that. So God is absolutely intentional and strategic about his kingdom coming to the earth and we are an integral part of God's strategic plan. So uh, it's great that we're all here learning how to be uh, strategic with God, but uh, but God is not um, accidental. He's not happenstance. He is highly intentional and highly passionate uh, about uh, about His people, about His world, His creation, and about His kingdom coming uh, to be a blessing to all nations. Amen. All right. So we are moving into a, a kind of focus now, really, on us as people. So we understand God's big picture, His kind of strategy, and now we need to look at well, who are we? in that plan and in that purpose, and it's, we're going to spend the next couple of modules really looking at um, what it is for us to be the kind of people that God would use and desire to use to bring His kingdom, to see uh, people's lives changed, to see cities changed, nations changed, all of that. So when we, when we talk about leadership, um, I would say, particularly over the last few decades, there has been a, a strong push within kind of mainstream evangelical church uh, when it comes to leadership. I know in my early youth pastor days, in my early 20s, uh, we did a lot of leadership development. It was a lot of uh, Rick Warren, Bill Hybels, John Maxwell, all of that sort of stuff. Um, learning all of those things, learning strategic planning, and, uh, and there's a lot of great stuff uh, in, in that content, uh, and I think it's good. I'm not, uh, not anti-leadership principles or anything like that. Um, but there are, the reality is there are a lot of leadership models in the world. Uh, but most leadership models that I'm aware of are focused around productivity. So getting the most out of people or achieving the most that we can with people. So the, the goal is, has nothing to do with people. People are just the vehicle to achieve the particular goal. So whether that goal is in a business is a financial increase, you know, a certain amount of products being produced, uh, whether that's in the church, sometimes it could be that, you know, larger buildings, bigger budgets, more people um, becoming Christians. Uh, but there's this sense of, of leadership is there to try and kind of rally the troops to get a job done uh, and to achieve a particular outcome. Um, so obviously then uh, where we've, th this thrust of leadership, then these models, these external kind of worldly models have also infiltrated the church. Uh, and I think it's, in some ways it's understandable uh, because there's been a lack of leadership in the church in general. So I'm talking big, broad brush across the world. Um, there's been a lack of strong leadership and I would say some of that would be to do with a lack of apostolic and prophetic leadership in the church. So there's not the, that kind of driving, those generative kind of impulses in the church to, to move the body of Christ forward, to challenge the status quo, uh, to be kind of uh, stirring us up 
getting us excited about God's mission, his bigger plan of, of society transformation. And so because of that, where there's a void, then naturally it creates a, a vacuum, and that vacuum has then been filled with, uh, with principles that uh, may work in, in the business sphere to produce worldly outcomes, uh, but they don't, uh, they don't work in, in the kind of the context of God's church or, or bringing the kingdom of God uh, out into the world. Uh, and so it's important that we look at, um, we want to have strong leadership in the church. We want to have strong, healthy leaders. Uh, but to do that, we've actually got to focus on the person, uh, not just on the principles that might be applied uh, by us. So as kingdom people, uh, we must look to Jesus as our model for leadership. And Jesus had a very different way of doing leadership, um, but that's our, that's our model, that's our example, is Christ himself. And the, the beauty is that Christ came to earth in the flesh, uh, and he set an example of what leadership looks like. And so as we study the life of Jesus, we can actually discover, okay, this is what it looks like to lead as Christ would lead. We have that example, which is a blessing. But the reality of the paradigm of kingdom leadership is more about being than it is about doing. It's more about who we are than what we do. Um, and at the same time, it's not dismissing that there is a, a job to be done. So I don't want to kind of advocate, oh, it doesn't actually really matter what you do with your life as long as you're being like Jesus. It's like, well, no, that's, that's the priority. That's the, the first and most important thing because whatever you do should flow out of who you are. But we also don't want to get so caught up and so introspective and so focused on our own personal development that we miss the opportunities to obey Christ and we miss the opportunities to actually go and serve him. Uh, and th sometimes the healthier that we become in our own journey and when we create those kind of cultures of inward health, uh, it can start to, to set a standard of what people must look like in order to do anything for Jesus. Uh, and again, as you look at the disciples, uh, you see a very low standard, <laughs> very entry level, even in terms of their character. And I'm not saying that that's what we aim for, but the reality is God uses everyone. God uses non-Christians for his purposes. Um, and so we want to say, well, our goal is Christ's likeness, but I don't wait until I'm like Jesus before I start to obey God and live for him and, and serve him and, and do that. It's more about what my opinion is more about the trajectory that we're heading in our life. So am I moving towards Christ? Am I making decisions? Am I living in rhythms that are moving me towards becoming more like him as I'm going about my daily life? And the reality is that our life is what will expose that which is out of order. Um, that's the unfortunate reality as well. So uh, 1 Samuel 16, verse 7, uh, this is God says, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Matthew 23, 25 to 28, this is Jesus uh, rebuking the, uh, the scribes and the Pharisees. He says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate, that the outside may also be clean. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness." This was Jesus' you know, kind of common thing that he would bring against the religious leaders of his time. Now, again, we can look back and then go, oh, 
stupid religious leaders and what a bunch of idiots. And But they, if you were living at the time, they would have been the people that you would have looked up to. They would have been the, you know, the, the, the church pastors or leaders that you might say, hi, oh, they're, they're in a place of honor. Like they, they would have been highly respected, highly revered, highly honored. But what Jesus is bringing about, and he's not challenging what they do, he's challenging what's on the inside, what's happening in their hearts. They get so focused on kind of rules and regulations and principles, they miss the heart of God. Um, and, they, and then so part of that then is how they serve actually impacts people negatively because they're not serving out of the heart of God. They're not serving with the heart of God. And so, again, Jesus is very, very clear. And I think it's God's focus. God is a heart-focused God. He cares about our heart. He cares about our internal world. He cares about what's going on in the inside. And he's not interested that we just go and kind of perform and behave rightly externally, that his desire is that we would be transformed into his likeness. I've said many times before, you know, Jesus didn't wear a what would Jesus do bracelet. Um, I don't even know if people know what those things are anymore, but... Uh, yeah, they were big. I had one at the time. And, uh, but he never had to consider, I wonder what Jesus would do in that moment. He lived out of himself. He was fully and authentically himself. And, and this is the beautiful thing. And I know, again, it might not be uh, mainstream Christianity, but the reality is that Jesus, um, his desire is transformation of people, which means that we become different to who we once were. We don't just learn new ways of doing things. Uh, practical intentional habits in our lives are important. They create a good framework for us, but they can never be... Like, you don't put up a scaffold, build a building, and then leave the scaffold. Like, you just you wouldn't do that. That wouldn't be normal. Well, the scaffold's there to help in the, the building process, but ultimately what you want is you remove the scaffold and you've got a strong, healthy building that's standing there. So for us in our lives, yeah, we need to have good disciplines, we need good rhythms, good habits, good support systems, all of that sort of stuff. Sometimes doing something, even when it's hard, even when I, I don't know, even when I'm unsure, and doing things by faith, like that's all part of the journey, but it's only momentary until the reality is built on the inside. Okay? So I'm also not saying like, oh, don't do anything until Jesus is formed in you. You know, sometimes it's actually, you just, you just got to do hard stuff. You know, if you, if you only went to work when you felt like going to work, you probably wouldn't go to work very much, you know? Maybe some of you, you know, I mean, not me, obviously, I love my job. Every part of it is just wonderful and life-giving. But, um, but, you know, like that's, that's part of it. Some of you just make hard choices and you do hard things. Um, but if you were stuck day-to-day in a job that you absolutely hated and you did that for the rest of your life without considering that maybe something needs to change, either in my perspective towards my work or the kind of work that I'm doing, well, that would seem like foolishness. So what we don't want to do is get caught in this pattern of just trying harder, doing more, you know, sticking it out and actually not focusing on, if I change, then all of a sudden things around me change. Uh, I, I often think about, you know, sometimes... So uh, hard work isn't the same as, as working hard. Like finding something hard to do um, doesn't necessarily mean that it's hard work. Um, if you had a bad back, tying up your shoelaces might be really hard to do. In essence, it's not really a hard thing to do to tie up your shoelaces once you reach a particular age, I'm sure. You know? So sometimes what we think is like, oh, this is so difficult. But, but actually, if we took the time to look at why is it so difficult then all of a sudden the ease would come because I would become someone that can handle that. You know, oftentimes we might feel like we have low capacity. 
And if we consider then, well, I need to change what I'm doing is one way of dealing with low capacity. Or increasing my capacity is the other way of dealing with... So I say, why do I have low... Why do I have such low emotional capacity? Okay, well, it might actually not be... My job might be not be the problem. My patterns of rest might be the issue. Uh, and, and unresolved uh, internal anxiety thing might be an issue. The fact that I'm staying up till 2 o'clock in the morning watching YouTube videos and not getting enough sleep might be the issue. Um, so again, there's always looking at going, uh, doing that internal investigation first rather than always projecting what's going on the outside. Okay. So when it comes to leadership, we can learn how to lead or we can become great leaders. And those two options are available to you. And there's lots of people and there'd be lots of business leaders, there'd be lots of even church leaders who would be considered great leaders and they would be considered great leaders because of what they have accomplished and generally what they have accomplished is building big ministries or building big, big businesses. Um, you have to have insight, you know, structure, strategy, all of those sorts of things. It doesn't necessarily mean that you've built something that has lasting impact doesn't necessarily mean that you've build, built great people. It doesn't necessarily mean that you've left a legacy of, of transformed, impacted lives uh, that will go on for generations. It might just be that you're that kind of flash in the pan. And, and again, this is what we find in kind of Christian celebrity culture as well. You know, this person who's very charismatic, they're very good at getting people to do stuff. They build this thing, all of a sudden they leave or they have a moral failure and everything falls apart because there's, no, there's not an organization that is filled with big people. There was one big person, there wasn't room for anybody else, uh, and then and, and people weren't handed responsibility, they weren't raised up. You know, oftentimes, I, I see this whenever I see maybe a, a senior pastor retires from a church and, and then they've got to go and, this is, this is a side thing, <laughs> but they've got to go and like advertise externally, like churches, how constant, like I see adverts for pastors in a church and I'm thinking, well, what, what's been happening in that place? Like there is no one in that entire community that would be anywhere close to being sufficient to, to leading that community. And I'm like, well, what's, what's, what's been the gap there um, where people haven't been developed, they haven't been poured into to raise them up, they haven't been released and given responsibility and given feedback, they haven't become big people that can take on those organisations. But that's just what I'm thinking about sometimes. So the reality is we can learn behavioural principles that enable us to convince people to do what we think they should do, or we can become the kinds of people that others want to follow. The reality is a lot of leadership principle and teaching um, can just be subtle forms of manipulation. You know, vision casting, strategic planning, all of that sort of stuff is really just finding ways to try and get people to do maybe what they don't even want to do. Uh, or to get people to invest into something, and, and it all really comes down to the kind of spin that we put on it. Um, but is that, is that actually really, is that kingdom leadership? Like, is that what Jesus called people to do? The fact is, Jesus called people to cost. He called people to sacrifice. Uh, we, we opened the pathway really, really wide for, for people to come to Jesus, and he made it really, really narrow in reality. Uh, I think if, I, I, I do wonder if Jesus preached an evangelistic sermon, whether... Um, no one would 
put their hand up or come forward because they'd be like, I don't know if I want to be a disciple of yours, Jesus. It looks really hard. It looks really costly. Uh, I've got to give up my life and everything and just go and follow you. Like, what about my family? What about my, you know, like Jesus literally, I'm not, I'm not trying to put this harsh edge on Jesus. He was obviously loving and kind, but he literally said to me, you want to go bury your father? You're not fit to be my disciple. It's like, Boom, like not fit to be a disciple. I thought everyone can be, anyone can be a disciple. Oh, I, just, I just pray a prayer and I'm your disciple. It's like, no, you're a disciple if you lay your life down and follow me and choose me even when it's hard and choose me when everyone else rejects me, that you're still there sitting at my feet following after me. That is the reality of following Christ. But he was someone that people wanted to follow. They, they were drawn to him because of who he was. Amen. Kingdom leadership is integrity-based leadership. So our character, who we are, is more important than our competence, which is what we do. I think we need to grow in competence. I think we need to grow in our ability. I think we need to grow in our skill set. Uh, a few years ago, we were just kind of discussing where the community is at, at, at a leadership level, and realizing that um, we had developed a lot of big people and we've had people go through a lot of in, internal transformation, a lot of freedom, a lot of reconciliation, a lot of breakthrough in their life, um, but they weren't necessarily strong leaders. And so, I mean, part of even what we're doing here is wanting to develop leaders because we recognize you can have people that are healed and set free. And I'm like, great, but they don't necessarily know how to apply that healing or how to lead others into that place. So there is the reality of principles. There is the reality of understanding, like there are ways to lead that can help to impact people and, and do all that sort of stuff. Um, but if it's not coming out of an overflow of who you are, um, then eventually it gets revealed. And we see this all the time. This is what happens in the church. People, they do all this great stuff and then their character gets revealed and it's not, it doesn't sustain them. What it seems like to me is that God will promote people to a place. I know there's that scripture, God will never give you more than you can handle. Um, I don't know, I just see I just see God, maybe people take more than they can handle. I don't know how it all kind of works. But the reality is that God will promote you to a place that will destroy you. He just, he just will do it. If you're open, he'll, he'll keep doing it because our responsibility is to, to, to do that discipleship journey. Our responsibility is to be yielded to God. It's our responsibility to repent. It's our responsibility to humble ourselves. You probably heard me say many times, humble yourself. Don't let God humble you. Because God does a much more brutal job at humbling us. I think, that's, I think that's God just saying, hey, I've told you, humble yourself. Because if you let me do it, you might not like it. So choose it yourself. Much, much better, much nicer, much easier way to do it. Um, but the reality is that that's, we, we, we need to be working on our sustainability and our character. And it's all in partnership with Holy Spirit. It's all in partnership with God. Um, but if we're not growing with God in who we are, if we're just learning, okay, yes, I've got a new skill. Of, I'm growing in my competency. It won't necessarily sustain you as a leader and you will get exposed. You will get revealed. So even if we are highly competent, our character will eventually be revealed. Any questions so far? Yes, Nicole will bring you the microphone. 
Um, do you think sometimes people get promoted within a church because they get elevated, leaders get elevated by the people that are following them? You know, that that, that creates that sense of they're amazing, they're a great leader. And, and that makes them actually more isolated to the point where they have less people that they can actually be really normal with. Yeah. You know, they need mentoring or they need, the leader needs somebody they can go to. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So people can push you up and elevate you to a place. I think this is where, um, again, so I'm, so in two weeks' time we're doing performance orientation, um, which is a good, a very good topic, very important topic and very prevalent topic, I think in Western culture in general, but particularly in the church. Um, so this is where our, um, essentially our identity is based upon our performance. And that starts right at, at early childhood. You know, you do something good, you're a good boy, you do something bad, you're a bad boy, all of that sort of stuff. So our morality gets attached to our behaviour, all of that sort of thing. Um, so what we can do is we can individually free ourselves from that. We can do the business that needs to be done to be free. Like, hey, I don't need to perform for God, I don't need to perform for others. But if we live in a culture of performance then it's still like, well, in order to be acknowledged, I must do that sort of thing. It's not my identity, but I've got to kind of work harder. I've got to be that person. I've got to do that many hours. That can be in a, work, in a workplace environment. I've got, to, you know, I've got to be the best in order to kind of move forward. So it, it does become tricky and difficult. So I think in the church context, we need to remove the culture of performance, which is a whole big thing that I'm keen to see happen. Um, but yeah, it is difficult when we have a culture then that would force people to be isolated and feel like, well, I can't be honest, I can't be vulnerable uh, because that will cost me my job. Um, our culture from a leadership level is when people share their heart is that our general response is, well, we trust you a whole lot more because you've been honest and you've been real. And, and maybe what you shared isn't great, but the fact that you're owning it, the fact that you're repenting, uh, and and are making a plan to move forward. It's like that's actually better than than having stuff hidden and nobody knows about it. So uh, again, it's hard. It has to be embedded into a culture, not just yeah us taking that responsibility individually. So it's a good question. So it's important that we don't just lead out of uh, what we know, but who we are. And there can often be a gap in that. So there's a gap between what we know and who we are. And this is okay if we're working to, towards closing that gap. Um, so for me, I mean, even interestingly thinking about it, I do, I do wonder sometimes what people think of me as someone who is, you know, who's leading the church community, I'm preaching regularly and doing all of that sort of stuff. I wonder whether people think that I'm more than what I really am. Like, I'm very aware of me. I'm very aware of my shortcomings, my failures, my lack, and all of those sorts of things. The hard thing is what people see from me, most people don't really know me. Um, they probably think that they do, um, but they don't, they don't ask questions to get into my heart. They don't know my real motivations and things. They see what I'm presenting. And usually when I'm in, in a public environment, I'm presenting Christ. Like, that's my goal is not to present Brad Joss to people, it's to present Christ to people. And, I'm, and when you talk about Jesus, you're talking about the perfection of Christ. And, and I'm okay to tell, tell stories of my struggles and my difficulties, but, um, but the reality is I, I, don't, I don't agree with the principle that only preach what you absolutely 100% live. I don't, I don't agree because it's actually not about, it's not all about me. I'm not saying I'm, I'm not going to preach things that I don't believe. But the reality is, oftentimes, and I've said it before, when I preach on a Sunday, I'm, I'm telling people, I'm preaching to me right now. 
And you're welcome to listen in as I preach this sermon of truth about who Jesus is or what he desires as I'm speaking to myself. And it's my my desire to live that. But where we find a gap of what I know um, or what I'm doing or maybe the level of leadership that God has called me to and the gap in my character, it doesn't necessarily mean like I've got to stop doing everything and then just work on that thing. It's like, no, no, you just you recognize, hey, there's a gap between between uh, my competency and my character. Okay, it's not then like I need to lower my competency. No, I need to build up my character. I need to get honest with God, get honest with some people and say, hey, there's a bit of a gap here between between what I'm doing and actually who I feel like I am on the inside. Uh, And there is also the reality of uh, imposter syndrome, which uh, apparently is quite a common thing that leaders feel is that they feel like I'm not equipped. So I feel it often. I feel I'm just not equipped to do what God has called me to do. Um, and, and you've got to live in that place, and the reality is, oh, I'm not, and I don't need to be, <laughs> um, because God is sufficient, and God is that gap, and, and really to actually live in a place of dependency uh, requires an acknowledgement that what God has called me to do is beyond my own capacity. Um, this is the danger. As we increase in competency, we can decrease in dependency, uh, and that's just the natural progression, but it's a dangerous one. So what we need to be doing is as I increase in competency that I increase in dependency at the same amount, dependency upon God that he would come and move because you, know, you, can, you can do a whole lot outside of the will of God, outside of the power of God, outside of the heart of God and many, many people would, might think it's amazing but it's, it lacks integrity because it's not, it's not God moving you. Um, I love, uh, so Pete Scazzaro, uh, he has a book, um, he has a bunch of books I highly recommend reading Pete Scazzaro's stuff. S-C-A, it's either Z-Z-E-R-O or Z-E-R-R-O. You will Google and find it. Z-Z. Okay, so he his first book was Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. He's got Emotionally Healthy Leader, Emotionally Healthy Discipleship, Emotionally Healthy Woman. Um, so a whole bunch of books around all of that. But yeah. It's good stuff if you've if you've read it. Um, he's got lots of podcast. He's got a podcast that you can uh, listen to as well. Um, he just has lots of really great stuff. I forgot why I was going to mention him. Um, oh no! So he talked about in in one of his books where he um, he birthed a whole lot of ministries, but they were like illegitimate children because uh, he was just doing good things for God, not necessarily doing God things. Uh, and we can get caught up in that place that we're not moving in the flow of what the Holy Spirit's doing. Uh, we're just coming up with a good idea. And if you're creative and entrepreneurial, you can do a whole lot of stuff. But God's like, well, it's, it's good. And maybe it's like, I did all this stuff for you, Lord, and why isn't it working? And God's like, oh, I didn't ask you to do it. So, uh, you know, we've got to be aware that, that we, we begin with God, um, then we'll finish with God. If we start on our own, then we try and convince God to get on board with our plans. Uh, it might not work out well for us. So living this kind of authentic life, and I do think it's a, it's a tricky one of, of where, where do we be real and be authentic, but also be like safely and appropriately share that. But I just do want to say being real doesn't mean being a jerk. Um, authenticity is not permission to sin. Um, so if you feel like, well, you know, I'm just, I know I should be like this, but this is who I really am. I just want to be authentic. It's like, cool, but uh, like, 
you can be real and also be respectful. You know, you can be honest and also be honoring. Uh, it doesn't mean that we get to dismiss all of the fruit of the Spirit or all of the character of Christ just because we want to be authentic. Um, and again, we, we, we live in a generation that does honor and value authenticity, um, but we shouldn't then look at being authentic as a way of trying to draw attention and, and stuff because that would lack authenticity um you know it's like it's no just just be who you are and and you can be messy but then also be aware that you can impact people with your authenticity uh, negatively so it's important that we invite the right people into our circles of vulnerability um danny silk talks a lot about this of these kind of circles of 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 closeness in relationships and um we need to be open to being humble and repented in front of all people when we make a mistake, but it's not always appropriate to share the deeper roots with everybody. Um, so if I make a mistake, if I make a public mistake, then I, I feel like it's good to make a public apology. Uh, if I make a private mistake, um, then it's not necessarily appropriate to make a public apology um, because people don't necessarily understand. I mean, I'm, talking, I'm not talking like... You do stuff that is... Um, that disqualifies you from ministry or leadership, then it's, well, that should be public. Um, but I'm talking about, I am, I'm struggling in an area, it's appropriate that I share that with people, or if I was, you know, if Lisa and I were struggling with something in our marriage, it's like, well, that's not a public discussion, it's actually right to bring in people. Now, it, people should have sight into that, they should have a voice into that space, but knowing that it's trusted, mature people. But on the other side, we don't want to put on this kind of perfect veneer that says everything's great, everything's fine, everything's good all the time. Just put on a smile and be happy and, yeah, no, it's great, man. Praise the Lord. God is good all the time. Amen. Let's go. Yeah. And, and, um, but really behind the scenes, it's, it's, there's toxicity or brokenness or pain and, or grief. Uh, and again, you know, there, there's been a number of people in the last few years, you know, leaders of churches that have, you know, there's one way to go down the destruction pathway of, of sexual sin uh, or in, and moral fails. And then there's people who go down the pathway of, of suicide because they've kept all of that pain and that brokenness, the stress, the pressure hidden, and it ends up in brokenness. So either way, we need to create we need to be the kind of people that are willing to be vulnerable and open with the right people, but we also need to create cultures. And again, if, if you're in a, in a business context um, and or leading people in some way, are you creating a safe space for people to be able to be vulnerable? Like, is it, is it okay if they're struggling that they, they can just be real with that? Um, now, again, when you're open and, and vulnerable, it doesn't mean you you lack responsibility in that. Like that's again the part where if I'm like if I'm honest with you and I and I share where I'm struggling and then but I'm like but I'm owning it and I'm I'm repentant and this is my I've got a pathway moving forward for that. It's like hey that's great that's fantastic, um, that's good. There doesn't need to be any rebuke. You don't need to be told off because you've owned it. Like you've you've you know if your child comes to you and and it's like Dad I did this and I messed up and and and, and I'm really sorry and I'm like it's like hey cool awesome let's. It, You've learned the lesson that needs to be learned. Now it's just about restoring whatever needs to be restored in, in our relationship and, and help you to kind of journey forward in that. Um, so it's important that we're also then creating environments where it's okay for people to make mistakes. Uh, and again, to, to, to really do, <laughs> to do great things with God, that, there's that risk element where we're just going to try stuff and, and stumble and fall. And God is so forgiving. God is so loving. doesn't mean God 
encourages foolishness. Um, but we need to also, we don't want to live on that kind of safe place. Well, I'm never going to try anything because what if I make a mistake and then people will think poorly of me or God will be unhappy with me. Um, it's like, well, then you probably never do anything of significance either um, because it risk, I mean, if you, if you quantify risk and go, yeah, this probably isn't going to work, then you might say, then maybe it's not the right thing. Um, but when God calls you to do something and you're listening and you're willing, then it's like, yeah, this could cost me a lot. And I've heard plenty of stories where people have, they've cost themselves for God. They feel, I've clearly hear from God. I go out and I do it and it was just cost and, and seemingly no reward. Uh, and I, and they, then they come back thinking, oh, maybe I didn't hear right from God. And it's like, no, I think you heard right. Not all the time, but sometimes. Like, no, maybe you heard right and it cost you everything. And your reward is, is hidden in that cost. It's hidden in the outcome, it's hidden in the brokenness, it's hidden in the lack, it's hidden in all of that mess that kind of happened and you've got a mind for that gold because God has hidden it in there. Um, but it doesn't always look like what we think success should look like when we obey God isn't necessarily always the outcome as demonstrated by Jesus hanging on a cross. Certainly not what anyone would have considered, I'm sure even his own disciples going like, I was, I was sure this was the Messiah. I was just, I was so positive and looks like we, I think we got it wrong, guys, because our Messiah is now, you know, being crucified. So, but again, God's way is a different way. Amen. All right. So we can all learn leadership principles that enable us to respond in an effective manner when dealing with difficulties or needing to move things towards, forward towards a goal. Obviously, in a secular environment, people follow leaders because of a paycheck and not necessarily because they desire to follow that leader or model their life upon them. Leadership principles in this environment can be effective because it doesn't require personal connection. So again, if we take, well, what, what works in a, in a business sphere? I'm not talking about kingdom business. I'm talking about in secular business. We can say, well, it's just, it can be this hard line. You know, you're going to work 80 hours a week and you're going to do it for minimal pay and you're going to be like this and you just go, oh, well, I guess that's what I do. I, I, I need a job, so I'll just, I'll just do that. So you, you're, you partner in with that production process. It's not necessarily giving you life or anyone life, but you're getting a paycheck at the end of the week or the end of the fortnight. So that's kind of why you do it. But that's not the way of Jesus. That's not the way that he led. And I don't think it's the way that we should lead. If that's in a business context, in a ministry context, um, I think there's a real value in the fact that, particularly in a ministry context, that people aren't paid. I think the leadership that you learn working with people who are, who are unpaid, um, still called by God, um, to, to do something because you, you have to learn how do I actually engage with people? How do I journey with people? How do I value them and, and value their freedom and their autonomy? And, and I mean, I, I don't want to be someone that holds things over people, um, but also then shifting the attention away from it being about accomplishing a goal of, of production rather than actually producing big people. And I, I find that leadership in a church context is just a really great, essentially a great context for people development. Um, that's what we found in, in terms of at our at kind of senior leadership level is that we found that the amount of discipleship that happens because we just invite people into the kinds of conversations that we have. We invite people into the way that we do conflict, the way that we do 
honor, the way that we, we celebrate one another, the way that we challenge one another, and that's kind of that learning and context environment. And at the end of the day, there are things, there's jobs to get done and there's things to accomplish, um, but so much more happens in that context when our focus and our attention is on people, not on, on producing outcomes. Um, and ultimately, the longevity and the generational impact of producing big people is far more significant, but it's a slower process, a slower journey. I was uh, sitting down at the foreshore this morning, kind of doing some prep and having some time with God, and saw Kaya doing a jog, comes past me, hey, how you doing? Um, but I was, uh, I was looking out at, uh, so there's the Quinana Grain Terminal, and uh, these tugboats, I'd seen them come from a distance, and they moved one ship off, and then they were kind of bringing another um, kind of big grain ship in to, uh, to be filled up. But I was considering that, you know, when you, when you look at, like, those giant ships as a mode of transport, like this big, slow, clunky thing, can't even turn around and park itself. It needs other boats to help it, to, two other boats to help it to do that. And you just think it's like kind of not really an efficient mode of transport. If you're talking about getting one place from here, getting it from here to there in, a, in a, the shortest amount of time, um, it's a slow journey. It's a slow process. Every part of it is slow. Just literally turning it is just so slow. And yet the amount that it carries when it arrives is then significant. And I was just pondering kind of that thing of leadership. When we build big people, it takes a lot longer. Believe me, it takes a lot longer. But when people arrive, they are so much bigger and they bring, carry so much more resource and they can have so much of a, of a greater impact when they actually come to that place because of what they carry. They can sustain things, they can carry things, and that's that generational impact that we have. If, we're fo if we focus on being big people, if we focus on being healthy internally, living out of that overflow, having that character that can sustain us, again, not just for the productivity, but also just to honor God because we reflect Him well, if, we, if we're okay with doing that slower journey, we're going to come out the other end far more sustainable and having a far greater impact on the world. Amen? So to lead people and impact them beyond just getting a job done, our integrity, which is the symmetry between what we say and do and who we are, is of vital importance. And as I said, it's not about avoiding productivity. There's still a job to be done. There are still things to be achieved. But it's about moving towards becoming a person that leads out of the overflow of their character and the overflow of their relationship with Jesus. So our inner life with God impacts our outer life with others. We were just chatting before in our meeting um, we need to live out of the overflow of the presence of God, that that wellspring of life that comes from Holy Spirit, okay? But the well, the well itself is our responsibility. The wellspring is God's responsibility. That's the Holy Spirit. But if we have a, a, a well that's filled with junk, that's filled with kind of rocks and an old bike and a, you know, truck tire and, and, and kind of murky, muddy water, then the wellspring gets impacted because it filters through us before it comes out. So every single person, if they're a born-again, spirit-filled Christian, they have the same Holy Spirit living inside of them. They have that wellspring of life. Amen? Okay. Does everybody release the wellspring in the same way? No. I mean, not just in the same way in terms of practically how does it overflow, but sometimes it comes out funky. Sometimes it comes out messy and, and dirty and a little bit harsh and a little bit 
you know, not quite the same. It's the same wellspring, but the well is actually what impacts it. So we need to understand, we don't just want to have great character, because then we just be nice people. Everyone enjoys. I really like that person. There's no power. There's no purpose. God's not doing anything great through them, but they're really, really nice, and they're really trustworthy. So that's good. And we don't just also want that person, they're so spirit-filled, and they're like, you know, the spirit's flowing out of them, but it's getting messed up and distorted and murky because their character can't sustain them. I've met plenty of really anointed people that just aren't necessarily nice people. And I'm like, to me, it's like it doesn't, it doesn't mesh because... Jesus isn't flowing out and impacting the world. It's like, I know, I know the Spirit's there and I'm, I'm hearing what you're saying, but the way that you're saying it isn't actually reflecting Christ. Okay? So it's important that both of those things are happening. We don't just want to have good character and no overflow of the Holy Spirit, but also overflow of the Holy Spirit with bad character actually then distorts and muddies up the flow of the Spirit. Does that make sense? All right. So the reality is our internal world, our, our emotional Health is what matures us as people. If you look at somebody who is mature, you're going to say, well, they're mature not just because they've got gray hair. They're mature because they're emotionally mature. Their hearts are mature. Their character is mature. When we planted uh, this church, um, we had lots of younger kind of people, young adults. I was 27 myself uh, at the time when we, when we planted the church. And so uh, we would every now and then have kind of older people come and, and join and like to start attending and be like, oh, yes, older people. And then what we discovered, like literally people in their 70s, and what we discovered is like, wow, these people are really immature. So we were hoping for this fresh, breath, breath of fresh air, you know, these old mature people that could be spiritual mothers and fathers. And then we found ourselves having to be the ones to kind of lead them and, and disciple them because they hadn't been raised in, in Christian environments where that sort of stuff was the focus. Like actually mature internally. Don't just, well, I know the scriptures and I know this and I know that. So that's good, but you don't really know it because it's not being formed in you. Uh, you can spout, you can quote scripture, but you're not living it out internally. And so that was just an interesting thing for me. Just because someone's been a Christian for a long time does not necessarily mean that they've matured into Christ's likeness because of the frameworks of how kind of the Western church is. So we want to see people that are actually being formed in the likeness of Jesus. Amen? All right, so leadership is people following people. Um, if we call ourselves a leader and we turn around, no one's following, then we are taking a walk, uh, is, is the saying. So, um, you know, if people aren't following, then we're not leading. Now, again, it doesn't mean you've got this whole, you know, massive crowd of people. It might be one or two people. But we want to be saying, is my life worthy of replication? So to be a leader that represents Christ, to be a kingdom leader, to be an emotionally healthy leader, you'd say, now I'm, I'm not saying every part of you, you say, no, maybe like 70% is worth replicating. That's okay. We've all got a, a, a journey to go. No one's 100%. But if we think, oh, no, yeah, is my life worth replicating? And if it's not, then it's like, cool, then I need to work on my character. We live in a culture of influence. We literally have people called influencers. You can influence people through ideas. You can influence people through concepts, through vision, but it's not leadership. It's just you're painting a picture and people go, oh, yes, I like that picture. 
you're not necessarily living that picture. If you're talking about someone's Instagram feed, it's like, cool, it's all beautiful and perfect and lovely. And uh, I did say many years ago, I was joking to Lisa, I was like, man, we, just, we should start taking photos like in our worst moments. Like is, you know, me crying in the corner or, you know, the kids screaming or mess and chaos or, you know, yeah, we just had a big fight and you know, here's a selfie, you know, or bloodshot eyes or something like that, you know. Um, it's, no one does that um, because, uh, well, maybe it would be successful, but, um, but, you know, like we have this kind of culture of, yes, we want to influence people, influence people, but leadership in the way that Jesus did it requires proximity. Like Jesus lived with people. He was an incarnational God. He came in the flesh. He lived amongst them. The disciples saw every part of Jesus' life. They were, they were there when he was eating breakfast. They were there when he was going to the bathroom, probably on a tree or something. Like it was just like the rawness of the realness. If you think about what, what that life was like, like they were just in every kind of moment. He couldn't hide himself. And, and I think he chose not to hide himself. Like he could, have, he could have been in a cave and he would come out at noon each day, Thus saith the Lord, and here's my sermon, here's, and then, then retreat back into his cave, and all the disciples will just hang around. No, he didn't. He chose to live amongst them. He, he lived in proximity with people, which meant the good, the bad, and the ugly would have been revealed. Now, when you're Jesus, there's only the good, but you know, for us, it's like it's, it's okay to, to kind of live in that space where we're actually impacting people because they're modeling their lives upon us, not just upon this kind of glossy picture that we paint, but on the reality of what it's like. We say, come and when Jesus said, come and follow me, he, he took them on a journey. And I think the same, we need to have that same expectation just to bring people on a journey, invite people into our lives. Like if we're, if we're running a business and we want to impact that business with the culture of heaven, then that might mean by inviting people into the culture of your home, which you would hope is some reflection of heaven. I love uh, listening to some Pete Scazzera today. He talks about the, the, you know, the marriage relationship of a husband and wife. And, and Paul talks about in Ephesians being this picture of Christ and the church. Like that is the ultimate picture. Marriage exists because God wants to reveal his relationship with the world to the world. And he does that through that marriage context. So as he's talking in this message and he's saying, you know, that's why we, you know, we should be focusing in our time and our energy on having great relationships. And that could be doing marriage well, doing singleness well, doing relationships well, because it is the reflection of God to the world. Anyway, side note. Another really important thing is don't hide from hard situations. Embrace revealing seasons. Don't avoid hardship. Don't run away from difficult situations. Take notice of what comes out when you're squeezed. The options are, I, I look at it and the grossness that's just spewed out of me, or I avoid that situation ever happening again. Never talking to that person, never putting myself in that situation, just completely avoiding that. Or I go, wow, that's in me. And that just came out of me. And if it came out of me, it means it's in me. And I have the opportunity with God, because God's not disgusted by my sin. God's not disgusted by my ignorance and by my brokenness. I'm not saying he's delighted in it, but he's delighted in me. And he wants to do a journey with me. He's willing because he sees it all. You know, like we try and hide from God. It's like Adam and Eve with, you know, the fig leaves on. It's, you know, and God calling out in the garden, where are you? You know, like we're going to hide somewhere from God, um, the all-knowing, all-powerful God. 
But the reality is what comes out in those moments is God's, God is intentional in that. He's right there in that place with you saying, I saw what came out too. Hey, we, we can, I can heal that place. I can transform that place. I can restore that place in you. If we always hide from hard seasons and the hidden places within us that God wants to transform, stay hidden. It's okay to not be okay as long as we're not just covering those inner dysfunctions with external performance. So again, we're going to look at performance orientation in a couple of weeks. Healthy leadership allows us to get out of the way and let God lead through us. Again, it's, it, it, it can seem like sometimes the, the greater leader you become, the less you need God or something like that. But actually, the, the fact is the, the, the greater leader you become, the more you grow in character, the easier it is to get out of the way. Because you're just like, Shh, and God keeps moving through, through you. And we don't get in the way too often, I think, when, we, when we're immature in our leadership or we're immature in our character, we get in the way of what God is trying to do, you know. I was like, no, I got this, God. I got this. I'm good. I've got this. God's like, what are you doing? You can't do that. You know, it's like we're overconfident. So because we belong to God, everything that belongs to us belongs to God, which means everything that we lead should be being led by God. Everything. Our business, our relationships, our ministry, whatever it is, everything belongs to God. So even if God has said, I want you to steward that, it's, it still belongs to him. Everything belongs to God. So we've got to lead with God in that process. So over the next couple of modules, we are going to be focusing on who we are as leaders and not just what we do as leaders. Our desire is that you would become people who lead like Jesus because you have been transformed and become like Jesus. Amen. One thing going back to um, when we're vulnerable with people, this is just a freebie for you. Um, Saying sorry is not an admission of guilt. It's an acknowledgement of impact. If you make a mistake in your leadership or in your relationships, sometimes I've, I've noticed that people struggle to say sorry because they feel like sorry is tied to I was wrong or I did the wrong thing. There's been plenty of times where I've done something and there's been zero intention to cause harm or to cause negative impact. And I've chosen to say, I'm sorry because what I did, although there was no intent, it still did have an impact. So I'm acknowledging my behavior or my lack of behavior, my words or my lack of words had an impact on you. It impacted you and it, and it was a negative impact on your life. And I say, I'm really sorry for the impact. I'm not saying I, I deliberately did something wrong. I, I don't, I'm just not a malicious person. I'm, I know it's in me. And it's saved up for if anything, anyone wants to do something to my family or my wife or, you know, my bills. I know it's in there. <laughs> it's just hidden away, locked, locked up. I don't want it to ever come out, I'm just saying. But I'm just saying, like, I don't, I don't go around. I'm being a little bit, see, this is, I should have shared that with my inner circle. <laughs> That's it. Too much information. No, just being real. Um... But it's, it's, it's important that we're, that we're able to say, I'm really sorry for the way that impacted you. Uh, and that, that was, had no intent. Because again, in relationship, and it's particularly in leadership, you're going to say stuff and you're going to do things that people are going to misinterpret. They're going to take the wrong way. And if you're like, well, I didn't do that. That's not what I meant. That's not what, no, that's not what I said. And we get defensive. Then the person, their heart is going, 
I'm not even judging what you did. It's just this is how it impacted me. You know, when, you, when, when I, I came into the room and you hugged everyone apart from me, it's like, oh, no, it just made me feel a bit funny. Or you, or you made that kind of, you know, comment and, and, and like, it just, it just hurt me. And, and, and to be able to go, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm really sorry. That's, that is not what I meant, but I, I acknowledge the impact. Okay, is that, a, is that cool? Just a little side one for us. So. Awesome. Question time. Or comment time. Or nap time. Um, so, if you've been asked to be leaders mm-hmm. in a particular area in the church and you don't feel that you've been called to do that at that particular time, mm-hmm but you feel that you need to be more equipped, um, is it wrong for you to turn in and say that's not, not for now, but maybe later after you've had, um, you know, leadership training? <laughs> why do you feel like it would be wrong? What do I feel? Why would, you, why, why, why would it be wrong to say, to say, oh, no, I'm not, I don't feel equipped for that? Uh, probably, probably pressure. Mm-hmm. From other people. Yep. What sort uh, of pressure is it? Well, pressure from other people in the church saying to you that they recognise that you have an ability to do it, mm-hmm. but and pressuring to to do it, but feeling for myself, you know, um, that yeah, even though you ha- you have got the ability. Um, you just don't feel that you're equipped um, to do it just yet. Mm-hmm. Oh, does that sound right? Is yeah, yeah, no, no totally, I'm Irish? totally hearing you. Um, I'm just wondering, so then what would be the consequence if you said no? Uh, what would be the consequence? Well, the consequence pretty much, I suppose, is that people aren't actually being ministered to in one way. Mm-hmm. So others won't be impacted mm. by you. But do you feel like there would be a, a relational consequence, like people would be disappointed in you? Or? No, no, no. But I think it's just a confidence in yourself mm-hmm. that um, from the past that you, I suppose because the position that we're in at the moment, we've come back to the Lord. So it's like we haven't been and had any training, mm-hmm. which is the very good reason we're here. Um, so, yeah, it's just the expectation, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Does that sound right? No, totally. I think um, obviously a different context would be a different response, but I think I think it's good that you're self-aware to be like, oh, I actually don't feel competent to, to do that. Or maybe you feel like, actually, I don't know if my character can say Whatever it is, there's a sense of, like, what you're asking me to do, I feel like it would be irresponsible for me to take on that responsibility where I'm at currently. Um, I think if people see there, we can also be in a situation where people see more, um, more that is upon our lives that we don't see. We can we can respond out of a lack of lack of self confidence. Um, so that's again where where it can make it, you know, add, adding that to the. Okay, so say for example, <laughs> the pastor has said yes, go for it. 
but um, yeah, it just felt like maybe just not now. Yeah, I think what you're feeling is is you need to uh, respond with that because that's how you that's how you're feeling. I think you can have a conversation about it, but if you feel like actually I don't I just don't feel equipped to do that right now. I think and knowing and acknowledging what is the gap between what it looks like I feel like oh, I, I want to I feel called to do that um, and then knowing what is the gap between where I am and where that is and then making a pathway actually I feel like it maybe in six months time if we can review I'm going to work on these things and then mm. I'll feel confident to do that mm. um, I think I don't know anything of your context no. but I do know of um, church environments where um, uh, the need to get stuff done Mm. requires people just drawing and just it's mm. like you know you've got two feet in a heartbeat bang you can mm. you can jump in and, and do that so again there are there is plenty of in church leadership environments where they're not looking for character um, they're looking for like can you just fill fill the gap because exactly. having that ministry running or having that thing happening is is more important than actually the the development of, of an individual yes. so again I'm not saying that's your context but this is for as a general yeah. Um, kind of principles and, and we sort of feel that that yeah. we felt that um, we felt that it, we needed character building mm -hmm. um, not that I haven't got the confidence to do it because I could yeah. yep. but it's more so making sure that we really seek God for that for that you know for that position to be what we need to do yep. um, rather than just diving in and just doing anything because it's the spaces there available does that make sense? Totally makes sense. Yeah. So I think, I mean, when you asked the question, I felt like you had already answered the question for yourself. But I was asking, <laughs> I was, yeah, I was asking more questions because for some, someone might feel in that situation is like, well, I'm concerned if I don't say yes, and they won't ask me again, mm. or I'm concerned if I don't say yes, then people are gonna, I, I won't be connected in with that group anymore. I won't, you know, there can be a, there can be a whole lot of reasons as to why we can feel. It's like, I know it's not right for me, but I feel compelled to because of this reason or, or that, you know, someone's going to be upset with me or I'm going to get, you know, there can be all of those other things happening as well. So Yeah, so it's not a bad thing yep. for us just to sit back for a little bit um, before we just jump straight in and just go for it. Yeah, well, I don't think you're sitting back. I think you're moving forward towards that place. Well, so you're yeah. being active. I know. I know this yeah. is good to, to say. It's like, oh no, yeah. I'm just, I'm just gonna. I'm, you're not taking a break. It's like actually, we're we're moving towards that place. But that's a destination over there that we don't feel like we're there yet, and yes. we're actively pursuing pursuing that and working towards it. I so. suppose in one way, it's like the tugboat, isn't it? It's like you know, making sure that we're making making sure that down the track, when there's that load. That we've actually got the um, doing the yeah doing the um, work work now, so yeah. that we can actually um, take you know take the load I suppose yeah yeah yep your again it's your your character will sustain you in the long haul you know and uh, yeah. and so again not to be putting ourselves in a situation where we can't carry the load that God puts on us so it's good did you have a thought Troy no. The way I see it, Jesus done that with Simon Peter and his other disciples when it was, follow me. It wasn't like, oh, I'll cast a few more nets, catch a few more fish, or come and pick you up next week when I'm passing through. You know? yep. It's like, bang. So, yeah. Yeah. So, again, I think he, 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 he takes us in whatever, whatever place we are. Um, 
and uh, but I think it's it's the intention of moving forward to say just to say oh, I'm not I'm not ready and then do nothing is like well then cool then you'll never be ready um, but I think uh, I think what it sounds like you're expressing is a, a level of self-awareness and I think that's really healthy it's one of the marks of of the four pillars of uh, emotionally healthy spirituality from uh, Pete Scazzaro um, and so that's it's good but then to say actually I, I I love that. It's great. I feel called, but I want to move towards confidence. We're having that conversation, you know, recently about uh, prayer ministry and having prayer ministry, you know, kind of set up. And then people just feel, I just don't feel confident to, to lead. And it's like, cool. But my desire is to do that. But I feel like there's a gap between where I am now. And then so then we talked about, okay, so what's the strategy that can help us to get towards that place? So, so I suppose in one way, I'm, I'm sort of in a roundabout way saying, we're aware of accountability and responsibility yep. for people's lives. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, a good a, and thing. their own. Yes. Yeah. Yep. So as a, as a, as a principle for, for this church, for Paradox Church, um, we've, we've tended to look at um, if, it, if it comes to starting a new ministry or doing a new venture, do we have the resource to do it financially? Do we have the resource to do it with people? And if we don't, then... You know, I'm not saying taking a faith step and, and okay, God's, we, we, see, again, faith, I know John Wimber says faith is spelled R-I-S-K. Um, I don't, I don't agree grammatically or theologically because um, I think faith, we've put faith into this box of like, oh, just, just believe and it'll happen. As I, well, no, faith is a gift from God. I've had the gift of faith given to me in particular situations. So this property was, I had the gift of faith for it made zero sense to even look at it and, and move towards it. But I knew from the moment that we started pursuing, I was like, this is happening. <laughs> so I had a peace because I had faith. Now, it was unseen. It was like out of this. It was next level provision, all of that sort of stuff. But I knew God had that. So for me, faith isn't blind. It's not like unknown. It's actually, oh, no, God, God has kind of given me this and I can, yeah, move forward into that. So. I don't know if I was making a point more than that, but it's good. Any other thoughts, questions?